start. Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis fight Max von Saito in William Shakespeare's Strange Brew tonight on Cinema de Fromage. Somewhere behind granite battlements, beyond impenetrable gates, indoors, something evil is brewing, and it isn't Elsinore beer. Here, an unsuspecting heiress has become the innocent pawn of a diabolical genius. At his command, space-age super lasers that can incinerate an entire metropolis. An army of deadly hockey warriors. At his fingertips, lots of beer. Just one more test, then we are ready for the world. What fool dares stand in his way? Good day, I'm Bob McKenzie, this is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? Welcome to our movie, eh? At last, television's Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis have just hit the great white screen. Uh -oh. These are the adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie, Strange Brew. That's private company business. Perhaps one of these would refresh your memory, eh? The gallant <laughs> champions of truth. <laughs> He's lying, all right. I don't need no machine to tell me that, hey? I didn't do it, I swear. It must be them. Justice. I think it's time the little lady and I had a chat. And the pursuit of bad guys. <laughs> we'll move towards the Oktoberfesters there. I can't believe it! He it off! Oh, no! And I will not underestimate our little friends again. With Mac Francido, Paul Dooley. You murdered him first. He was already dead when I killed him. Lynn Griffin. I didn't have puke, Chris. I kissed you. And an all-star cast. He got you, boy. You take cocking enough. <laughs> okay. Don't miss the biggest, the grandest. The first Mackenzie Brothers movie of all time. The Adventures of Bob and Doug Mackenzie. I'd like to thank you, Academy. That's it. We're leaving, kids. Come on, kids. Great school. You really wanted to see our movie down the van? Hey, cop, it's only a preview, eh? I didn't want to show them the best parts. Okay, so that's our topic for today. So good day. Welcome to Cinema to Fromage after a little bit of a hiatus. We're back with uh, a little bit of Canadiana here with tonight's movie. Uh, the full name being The Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie, Strange Brew from 1982. 83. Okay, filmed in 82. Um, and one of the films I, I suggest because I just want to feel nostalgic for the look of Toronto back in the day which where it was shot and the skyline does not look like that anymore anyways so with me are the usual suspects we have kente hey hey there's gonna be a lot of that and i'm sure <laughs> we've, we've got jen how are we doing jen uh i'm great and i'm not even gonna attempt it Aloha, okay. everybody. don't be a hoser 
Hawaiian hoser. Okay. Thank God. Oh, oh, there she did it. And Joshua, how are we doing, eh? Well, we're doing pretty good, eh? I guess this 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 is the podcast, huh? Uh, yep, that's what it is. All right. So, yes. Um, so, anyone who's ever had a sort of stereotypical idea of how Canadians speak, um, probably got it from this film. Which is, uh, you know, one of my favorites, uh, one of the only films, I think, out of SCTV. Um, yeah, that it is. Okay, so, which caused a little bit of uh, dissension in the ranks of the other cast members when these guys got this breakout film out uh, and, and album at the same time from basically a throwaway sketch that was done as to thumb their nose at uh, the CBC. Um, anyways, so before we, I go into all those boring details, I think tonight it's Jen who has to explain uh, what the movie is about. Oh, it is? It is. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, See if you were well, paying attention. Um, so, okay, before I, before I say what this movie was about, I, okay. I want to um, say that I actually saw this when it came out. I didn't see it in theater. Oh, no, I did see it in theater. Um, but it was one of the first movies that, like, I ever got into that I wasn't actually supposed to go to. People just took me, and I just sort of went in with a group and uh, explaining what this movie was to my parents afterwards was almost impossible. Um, I, I, I just I said you went and saw a foreign film. I, <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, just sort of as a... Uh, because I don't know how many people not it's it's not how many people would remember 1983 it's remembering what was sort of around that uh SCTV moment in time and you know my mom always thought about it like it was some kind of terrible societal influence not that the humor was bad but that that, that it was basically you know encouraging people to do things that were terrible and saying, well, that's just funny. And I, my mom did not, she was so upset with me that I went to go see this. And <laughs> as I watched this again, I was like, oh my God, <clears throat> parents in the 80s were so clueless. This movie is so mild. There is, oh, yeah. it, I mean, it's just great. I think Happy Gilmore is a little bit more on edge than Strange Brew. <laughs> the price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is what I'm 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 gonna paraphrase what this was about, right? Okay. So the and then I'll read the actual strange brew description. So the paraphrase okay. is the basically the McKenzie brothers wind up, they, they're working at this brewery and they just like the trailer says, they fall into uh, the knowledge of this really, really terrible thing that's going on. Now the, the really terrible thing never really reveals itself to be really, really terrible, except just sort of like we're just supposed to believe that it is. Um, but the thing that makes this funny, the thing that makes this whole movie hilarious has nothing to do with the actual plot. It has to do with the shtick. It is so, this movie is so funny because of who Bob and Doug McKenzie who Rick Moranis and uh, and Dave Thomas are in character. So it, th forget everything that you're going to hear about a plot about 
description. You should just watch it because it's just freaking funny. Uh, they're just they're so freaking funny. So here's the real description. The real description is in their quest for free beer, Canadian brothers Bob and Doug McKenzie wind up working at Elsnor Brewery. The hapless lads uncover a sinister mind control plot spearheaded by Brewmeister who's Max Fun. They said Cedo, but isn't it Cido? I've heard Cido. it pronounced both ways. Well, I'm never Max. sure. I call him Cido, and I've heard him called Cido. His name goes both ways. Okay, well, there you go. Oh, he's got a cool name. Uh, and must stop the scheme, which also involves Uncle Claude, a member of the Elstor family. As Bob and Doug McKenzie try from taking over the world, they also manage to drink plenty of their favorite sudsy beverage. There we have it. All right. Now, be before we uh, get into it, can I play a clip? It's from Red Letters. It, it kind of gives some history uh, about... Uh, I was going to give the history, but I think you could do that. Well, Because it, it also includes uh, uh, a clip of Rick Moranis, too. And then, then you can add to it. Okay. All right, here we go. ...for the third season because it was getting really good press, mm -hmm. and NBC picked it up. Right, so and that was their, the sort of first exposure in the U.S., I think. In Canada, SCTV was uh, 26 minutes. On NBC and its syndicates, it was 24 minutes, and they would, you know, they would have so much of a buffer of commercials. But the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in Canada, CBC, the government-run broadcaster, um, had two extra minutes. And they went up to the SCTV gang and said, look, we need two extra minutes. We need some CanCon, which is government-mandated Canadian content. Canadian content. A certain percentage of the show has to be specifically Canadian. Right, representing Canada, Canada the Canadian themed. On SCTV, the show was a half an hour long and they wanted two minutes to be Canadian. So we said, well, what does that mean? What, what is less Canadian about us doing what we're doing than, than what you want us to do? We're doing the show in Canada. We're from Canada. We're, we are Canadians. They said, you know, we, we, Dave Thomas and I finally said, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to put on toques and parkas and sit around and fry up back bacon, A, and drink beer? And they said, yes, that'll be fine. <laughs> so we did it. It wasn't enough that. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna, that was the story I was going to tell. Yes. The, the CanCon thing. And basically, they knocked off uh, about an even, let's see, I think there was a dozen or so. They did. So they put up the, the cheap set. They, they made sure it was like a cheap background they put their coleman up they had all the beer cases around and they drank and smoked and banged out about 12 of these off the top of their heads improv total improv um and then that got inserted into the shows as they went along and somehow they became a breakout characters even though it wasn't meant for the u.s audience those two minutes end up being shown on nbc and that became the breakout thing and the thing was it was a throwaway gag and they were just just to stick their finger up to the guy saying, you need more Canadian content. They did that. And so there you go. Mm. And um, from that, they got an album. And from the album, they got a movie. And then Hosermania died really quickly shortly after that. <laughs> Hosermania. Hilarious. Yeah. I, I was saying to you, uh, and for Griff, though, if in case people don't know that um, you are our, our resident Canadian on the panel, uh, the rest yeah. of us, are, we're Americans. Yeah, I've been hiding my accent all this time, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, you know, that's about. In this episode, uh, uh, King Penguin comes out of the Canadian closet. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Forgot but, uh, 
but uh, I was saying that, as, you know, I, I was born in 76 and I remember this when I was a kid, right? Um, the whole Bob and Doug McKenzie thing. And that was my first brush with Canadians. Like that was, I know that's, that's that must be horrifying to you, but that became what I thought Canadians were, right? Where, you know, where this depiction of it, which is silly, but I was a kid, you know, but unfortunately I, there were adults who thought that too, but, uh, but, um, and uh, so for a long time, that was in my head, you know, the Bob and Doug McKenzie thing. So, and because remember they had commercials and they were, you know, it was everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they that was the breakout for them, and they did so well. I mean, they got the film, they got the commercials, and everything. And like I said, the other cast members kind of got a little resentful for them, and because of that, they wrote a specific episode where Bob and Doug McKenzie were the center of the thing. Now I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it was also sort of to bash them a bit too that they get this super show that they end up becoming stars because they're breakout characters, and they end up changing the entire show so it becomes the Great White Palace mm-hmm. dance colored gold dancers and the guys are wearing tuxedos and they got their hair done in bootfalls and, <laughs> and they go to do their opening bit and it's just two morons sitting there on the stage, you know, talking the way they normally talk, trying to read the cue cards and sound really stupid and the show basically gets yanked off the air within five minutes of it being on. So hilarious. They're, they're kind of like, uh, they're kind of like um, Wayne's World for Canada. Well, funny you should mention that. Because Mike Myers, when he did Wayne's World, um, everything he did, it was set. It's set in Chicago, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Except for everything he references is from Etobicoke, Toronto. <laughs> um, Stan Mikita's is Tim Hortons, and a whole bunch of other stuff. He like it's one of those things where he does a subtler thing about Canadian humor than Bob and Doug were. The, they're the kind of the the bold out there thing. He did. Canadian inside jokes that only guys who've been around there and know about these things got. So when they're watching, you know, Wayne's World, they're going, "Yeah, that's that's a Tobacco. That's he's he's riffing on Canadian stuff, and then pretending it's American, which is you know one of those things that we do when we go go down south. We fake it. We change our accents. And we pretend we're you know we're one of you." And that's the thing. If you ever go to war with us, you'll be in trouble because you won't know when we cross the border. If one of them or not. Wow, cultural uh, appropriation, much? Well, well, you know, uh, Michael Moore did try to warn us in his uh, film. Uh, he did. Canadian Baby. Yeah, actually, and starring John Candy, another SCTV alum. And I did not like that film at all. It wasn't. Uh, it, it was not good. It was really ham-handed and. Ah, I see what you did there. Ham-handed. Oh, that was funny. But you know what's funny, though? In a way, the plot of this film is very similar to our film next week, uh, which is a Halloween 3, I'm just saying. Is it? Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. But more importantly, what the plot of this film is, because they just wanted to riff around it, so they chose an old plot. It's Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Elsinore Castle is now Elsinore Brewery. Uh, they change Hamlet to being a female, but her father is killed. His ghost comes out to tell them about it. Her uncle marries her 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 mother. There you go. Huh. Hmm. It was them doing Hamlet. 
and that's pretty funny in itself because you take the dumbest characters they've ever come up with against one of the you know classic plays and basically their riff on that which i thought would be so if they did a sequel i was hoping it'd be like romeo and juliet or something like that or <laughs> hilarious but um yeah so i saw this film when it came out and i saw it in the theaters because i was a huge sctv fan when i was in those days i watched it you know when they were airing them the first time around, which I loved. And then when they went on NBC after Saturday Night Live was over, I waited up to, so I could watch SCTV when they're doing the 90 minute shows. And so, yeah, I remember going to the theater to see this. And I, to be honest, I laughed at parts, but I was sort of disappointed at the time. But watching it later again and again, I kind of grew to like it a lot. It's one of my favorite films. It's a guilty pleasure, really. It but, grows um, on. It, yeah, because it is so dumb, but it doesn't mind being dumb. Um, for example, the fact they've got that you know the the scene where Hosehead the dog you know gets up and flies away to stop Oktoberfest from happening and grows a cape. And it's like, okay, it works in this film because you know this film doesn't have, it doesn't work on logic. It's stupid. It's dumb. It knows it's dumb, but it has fun with it. And I, because they came from the sensibility, like SCTV was basically really a, a real postmodern show in the fact that it was uh, it was very much about mocking the television of the time and knowing all the tropes and everything. And this film does the same thing. Like you look at the end of the first act or sorry, uh, second act where the, the van goes off into the river, crashes, and they show the skyline and the cops sitting there saying, oh no, you know, no one will ever survive out there. And it fades out with the flat, you know, this really dramatic scene that in any other movie would be like, oh, there's your dramatic moment, the, the lowest point the heroes are at, there it is right there. And then they throw in a two second intermission to, you know, just to screw with the audience. And I was there and I watched audience members kind of confusedly get up and start walking to the concession stand only to have to turn around and get back to their seats in like less than a minute because they kind of faked them out the way that, you know, but that's a riff on what Python did because Python did the exact same thing in uh, uh, Holy Grail. They right. had their intermission. Fake intermission. Fake intermission, yes. Considering this film was what, like 90 minutes, if that, throwing an intermission is very cheeky. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about um, the film, the characters, Bob and Doug McKenzie, uh, Rick Moran and, and uh, Dave Thomas. Uh, like, would you say these characters are an more annoying? If there's a scale of annoying to uh, lovable, where would you put these two characters? On that scale, who wants to answer that first? I'll answer last. Okay. Well, well okay. So I, I actually like Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> they actually really make me laugh, and they come nowhere near Adam Sandler level of "I hate you, I can't." Oh. Handle <clears throat> so yeah. I would say they're too. really good. I really, I really. I mean, and you know, the other thing is, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Uh, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis together and not feel like they are just stupid, lovable rogues. It, it, uh, there's something totally different about watching these guys than there is watching a lot of other sort of sticky comedy. This was actually really fun. And I, I know I can remember seeing other things that they sort of did around that time that 
were also similarly fun. A lot of people tried to copy that, not using the Canadian piece, but copy the success of that. It didn't really work because there's just some weird chemistry between the two of them. So I, I personally thought that they were not annoying. They were really awesome. What about you, Josh? I mean, these guys are the epitome of lovable goofballs. Uh, they're, in my opinion, nothing irritating or annoying about them. In fact, I want to know why there isn't 20 years worth of straight content for me to binge right now, uh, rather than seeing them. Because, you know, you do see Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas pop in for like a, you know, voice job here and there where they're together and, and what was it, open season when they were the, the moose? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, we, we get them together every once in a while, but I don't think it's enough. And when I finished <laughs> watching the movie, I was like, I want more. I want a lot more. Well, they did do a cartoon, that, that Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie. That was lasted less than a season. Um, that was uh, Brother Bear. Oh, Brother Bear. Was it Brother okay. Bear? Okay. Yeah, Brother Bear. I, I would know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. My bad. Correction. <laughs> but yeah, they're, yeah, they're great. There was, was a part two, right? Wasn't there? I mean, not part two, but there was sort of a, a second edition of this. Was there? I thought so. No. Hey, that rhymes. Didn't they do like a TV special? No, but they did do. Uh, that's probably you're probably thinking of that episode of SCTV I was talking about. But no, they uh, that basically after Strange Brew, that was basically the end of it because it, the whole fad for the thing fizzled out. So uh, um, people basically well, said, okay, that's, if that was fun, but that's enough. You know, I know they made, um, they made like a Christmas video because they have like the twelve days of Christmas. That's from their album, which came out I, before I, Strange I Brew. That. That was definitely a that was like on MTV or something. I I, that I, yeah, because it was on an album. That was their album. Uh, they did uh, uh, Twelve Days of Christmas. They did a whole bunch of stuff, and that again was basically the two of them got into a, a recording studio and did about twelve hours worth of recording, and they cobbled together the album from the improv they did. And so, as you're hearing them getting increasingly more drunk as they're, they're going through, that was real. They were getting more drunk as they were doing that. But um, they actually created two albums out of it because they took some stuff from the original recordings and created a Strange Brew album, which I cannot find anymore. But it had a whole bunch of stuff in it with some songs and clips from the movie. And so they quickly packaged that out to go with the movie. But like I said, the movie didn't do as well as they thought it would. Um, and so that kind of like everything kind of sort of fizzled and that was it. But as for your question, Kitty, um, yeah, it's a weird thing because for me, you know, I loved SCTV. I loved the thing. And then there was a while afterwards where, you know, where people said, oh, that's Canadians. OK, so there is got to be a little bit of bitterness about it, not because of what they did, but it's kind of, this kind of thing that, oh, that's what they think of us now. And it's like, OK, I'm getting kind of sick of hearing that that wore off and I'm back to liking it again. I mean, I love I love this movie. Um, the thing about the characters is it's i think what works for them is besides the fact that they got like really good chemistry together is like it's not a mean-spirited film right the characters aren't mean they're not doing things to other people everything things happen to them i mean the most you know the worst they're doing is the, the trying to rip off the movie theater by throwing the moths into the window or trying to rip off the beer store by putting the mouse in the bottle 
And that's it. That's the meanest thing they do. They, you know, they try to show up to work early. They bring donuts for everybody, even though they're the only people working in the plant and that kind of thing. You know, they're, they're just nice people who are just dumb, just dumb. Um, and but, you know, in a good way, you know, not they're not obnoxious. They're not ignorant. They're, you know. And anytime that there anything mean is happening, if it, you want to call it mean, it's not really. It's just between the two of them where, you know, oh, I'm going to tell the police it was your fault. And, you know, things that brothers would do together in many ways. You know, I'll turn you in the second I get a chance. Um, um, I know you can't speak for all of Canada, but on this episode. No, it's a big country, a lot of, a lot of different people. <laughs> so no, many speak French. But uh, on this one, would you say at the time and even now, that Canadians were more proud of these characters or more embarrassed by them? No, they, you know, at the time, like I said, hoser mania was a thing here. Everybody embraced it. In fact, it got really bad. They created a parade. And if you read Dave Thomas's book on SCTV, he talks about it. He says he got scared because basically a ton of people showed up in toques and wearing the jackets and everything. And, and drinking tons of beer and getting really, really rowdy and drunk and everything. And he got kind of scared for the whole thing. But yeah, everyone loved it. Like the, there was kind of a thing where they they, they were proud of him at first because they were like, oh yeah, this is, you know, oh, this is great. This is funny because I mean, Canadians aren't like that, but there's a bit of that. It's sort of, it's like any good uh, satire. It's like, there's a little kernel of truth in there. They just made it really big. And right. a, lot, a lot of it was, um, what they were speaking, you'd find more in uh, Northern Ontario and a lot around the hockey towns and everything. So right. hoser and takeoff and all that stuff would be stuff you'd hear on the bench uh, and the hockey game, you know, so that kind of, you know, back then. Um, and so, the, you know, you we embrace it. And then, like I said, for a short while afterwards, when it kept, you know, other people saw it and they were saying, oh, you oh, take off and everything. We we're going to get uh, Canadians get kind of okay because we're insecure people. Uh, <laughs> kind of like Okay, we don't we want to get away from this we don't want to and then you know once again you embrace it again and that's the thing um so it's there's a lot of good jokes in fact there's one joke in there that was not intentional that is really funny is um the place they go to the beer store it's called oh. there um at the time those stores looked exactly like that. You would walk up to a counter, you would order a beer and they would push out the, you know, your two, four or your 12 pack through off this, you know, rolling dolly and you'd pay the front and you'd see only the pictures of it. And it was so like, it was a very weird place, but it used to be called Brewers Retail. And that was the name of the place. They would not allow the movie because they thought it was bad. It would be a bad influence kind of thing and look bad for their marketing. So Brewers Retail said, do not use our sign. So they called it the beer store. Well, nowadays, all the brewers retails dropped the brewers retail and became the beer store. Uh, mm. And now you can walk in and get your cases and everything. It's not much better, but but you've got that thing where it's sort of like they kind of echoed the future unintentionally trying to avoid, you know, getting sued by brewers retail. Huh. But they throw a lot of little things here. Um, the Canadian National Institute for the Mentally Insane and everything. I mean, that is a very Canadian thing. Like you, the government buildings are all they have it, the canadian national this the canadian this the cnibc and all this other thing and we see that it's like okay that's funny um having the court there when you've got the picture of trudeau and um that's trudeau senior there that uh, is sitting beside the queen in the in the courtroom by the way right the, not old enough to remember him mm -hmm. 
um, the Trudeau that sort of knew what he was doing, even though it wasn't that much better. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Elections coming up. I don't know if he's going to make it. You, you won't be seeing much of him anymore. Uh-oh. My, my guess is he will be out in October. He'll be out? Out, out. All right. He'll probably keep his seat, but he, uh, he'll mean be like, oot. <laughs> See, that's another thing. Nobody says oot. <laughs> that that annoys me no end. Nobody says that. Now, if you want to have the proper way it sounds, because this is maybe you're hearing it wrong, but it's it's out and about. <laughs> out and about. Yeah. So the mouse went to the house and he was about doing that. So that's what uh, if you want to talk about like when you hear a weird sounding out and about, <gasps> that's the actual sound you hear, not oot and about. <laughs> like oot and about. about. I am getting such an education tonight. I, know. I have no idea. You go up to Sarnia and you go out and about to the guy's house. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, you don't have a mouse in that house. <laughs> so it's not the moose and the hoose. No, it's never moose and a hoose. Nobody says hoose. Nobody says boot. Unless you're the wearing one. <laughs> and, um, real quick, I want to talk about... Uh, look, Dave Thomas is awesome. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Right? Um but I always thought Rick Moranis was uh, underrated as a talent. Yeah, I'll tell you this much. Rick Moranis is, uh, you watch his SCTV stuff and you realize how wasted he was in Hollywood because when they took him, they only gave him one type of role. Oh, right. you're going to be the nebbishy, nerdy guy because right. he did so well in Ghostbusters. They figured that's all he can do and that's all they cast him as. And if you look at his other stuff, like he's, his characters used to, like Jerry Todd, who was this video DJ guy, and he's like, ah, this is Jerry Todd in the morning. Blah, blah, blah. He's funny. His Woody Allen is, his impersonation is hilarious, too. Um, and he did so many other characters. And it's like, you look at it, and it's like, and well, look at him as, uh, you know, um, Bob. He's like, you know, he's, you know, okay, he's sort of nervous and everything, but he's not, you know, a nerd. And it's like, it's weird. They kind of like, Hollywood decided, okay, we want you as a type. So right. this is how we're going to cast you. Every film, you're going to be this. Which is probably one of the reasons he got tired. I mean, he wanted to go and live with his family and, and do, you know, have more time with his family. You notice he just decided, yeah, that's it. I'm done. And he kind of just walked away from it all. My favorite Rick Moranis movie, though, got to be Little Shop of Horrors. But, uh, but yeah. in terms of type, um, when he did, what was the what was that movie where he was the agent he was in charge of my blue heaven uh, my blue heaven thank you thank you that's the one quite a range of talent in that movie yeah and he he does he's he's very talented very funny guy um and you listen to and he's very smart and he was he was very much about uh from what i've read and everything about him he was very much into like technical stuff and trying to expand video stuff and and music and stuff like that so he did like Jerry Todd, he made a whole bunch of musical bits. So it's supposed to be like late night. You know, you're, you're 12 in the morning and here's this VJ going to be showing you crappy videos. And he's got his, you know, this one guy singing downtown, you know, and it, it's like cheesy. And you look at it and it kind of, it's not like, oh, this is a ha-ha, here's your joke, this is the thing. It's just sort of this weird, weird kind of meta thing. And he was working on it. He's like, you know, I'm doing this because it's strange and it's sort of funny, but it's not laugh out loud funny. It's one of those weird kind of quirky things. And you're watching and going, I don't know what I'm looking at here. And I kind of like it and I kind of don't. It's very weird, but I mean, yeah. I mean, and he's a very, I mean, very bright, very, very talented. And he had a range of characters he did. Um, 
and him and um, Dave Thomas did a whole bunch of different characters together. They, um, they did this thing called Carl's Cuts, where they're both these weird pig-like butchers who uh, who basically talk about video editing in a butcher shop. Very, and they do a, a takeoff of Deliverance at one point, and it's just the weirdest, most bizarre thing. Um, they also do uh, characters Walter Cronkite and um, was it Brokaw? He was playing. So Dave Thomas would do uh, Walter Cronkite. Um, but the the funniest one they ever did was uh, they decided to do a Bob Hope movie where it was Bob Hope and Woody Allen. Hmm. And so you had two different types, and Bob's like, "Ah, oh, you got to do a joke for me." And Dave Thomas does a great Bob Hope, and Woody Allen's sitting there doing this meta kind of strange thing about I don't understand. He's like, "What are you doing there? I don't get this." Oh, and someone got to take over for a few seconds. I have a work thing coming up. Sorry. Uh oh, with his old fashioned phone. Uh, going back to um, going back to Rick Moranis, um, you know, I've always thought the guy was super talented, and uh, like he, I think he makes a great point that Hollywood really didn't. They kind of squandered him, which they do with a lot of really talented people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he and you know, um, and the sad thing is that he is, you know, he's kind of out the the business. Uh, right now, and um, he took himself out basically because he got tired of you know uh, the way that he was being cast. Now there's a um, I remember he did an interview on the Nerdist podcast. Yeah. When it was it was kind of blistering. Yeah, it was relatively recently. I think a couple of years ago. So um, and it's audio only, I believe. I don't think there's video for it. So uh, I probably should have listened to it before we did the show uh, again, but it's been a while since I, since I um, heard it. But I just wanted to point that out about Rick Moranis. Um, I think uh, the, ne- the next thing we should get into, and, and no disrespect to Dave Thomas, Dave Thomas is awesome, but I really uh, I wanted to say that about Rick Moranis. Uh, we're getting some kind of feedback or something from you, Jen. And you're on mute, uh, uh, Josh. Yeah, you're on mute. Uh, I don't know if he's on mute on purpose or not. But uh, anyway, um, so this film. Uh, wait, you know what? We got to talk about one other person real quick before we get into the the go into the movie. I know we this is a long preamble to the movie, uh, but um, Max von Sydow um, and, and his false teeth. He's a okay, he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, but was he like? He has some pretty interesting choices in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, Flash Gordon, uh, this one, and you know, like he had, he did some. Hey, yeah, that's their second Max von Sydow film, right? And he, I think he was in like an Exorcist. Uh, what was it? Exorcist, the the real weird one. Wasn't he in that? Oh, one? He was in the no, he was in the original Exorcist, right? He right. The, he was the priest, right? But he was in um the one that was was it the third one? There was one that was really bad. Second one, he, he wasn't was, in it. I'm sure he was. Yeah, he, no, he, his his character was dead. No, but you know, it's Hollywood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I refuse to believe you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I pull up his thing, but but he's been he. It's funny he's in some great stuff. Yep, and, and he's been some great shocky stuff. stuff. Yeah, I wonder, like, I wonder what his process is. Like, did he die? I think he's still alive. I would love to ask him, like, what's his process? Yeah, because he, he was in Star Wars. Um, 
Yeah, for, the, Force the, the, yeah, Force Awakens. But that was 90. I mean, I'm 90. I'm sorry, 50, uh, 2015. So that yeah, was um, a while ago. I, I'm pretty um, sure. I haven't heard that he's died. So I, I wonder what his process was. It's like uh, if the check was right. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're going to pay me? I'll do it. <laughs> right, pretty much. What am I supposed to do? Well, you're going to be this beer guy, and you're going to try to take over the world. And that's it. He's like, oh, I did it before. I'll do it again. Uh, Joshua, are you there? You're, you're muted. You're muted. We can't hear a thing you're saying. Yeah. Try. Uh, let's see. Uh, maybe we'll get him back. Uh, hop back in. Uh, Technical but, difficulties. Please stand by. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Hello. Can you hear me now? Yes, I hear you. Okay, yes. so I was saying earlier, just to just to so I can get this off my chest, uh, we're not going to talk about Dave Thomas's brilliant run on Grace Under Fire. <laughs> hey, he was he got a paycheck. And that's all he cared about. I love Dave Thomas and the Wendy. Wendy. Oh, yeah. no, no, you know what? I do like Dave Thomas a lot. I like uh, his stuff. He didn't break out as as well. He did a bunch of TV stuff here and there, um, but he has a really interesting. Like he's one of the writers too from SCTV. Like he was one of the. Uh, like it wasn't like uh, Saturday Night Live where everyone kind of you know tried to jockey to get their stuff in. They were they were pretty collaborative. Um, the women had a harder time with their bits, but when they did do it, when Catherine O'Hara and um, Andrea Martin did get stuff out, it was pretty brilliant and bizarre and something you know the guys wouldn't do. Um, I'm thinking of I'm taking my own head, screwing it on right, and no man's going to tell me how to change. Right. Uh, that's a play that they do. Libby Wolfson, the liber- uh, liberated woman. But um, I think Dave Thomas made a great career out of being Hey, it's that guy. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I, I, I don't know where he would have fit in. Like Rick Moranis had it easier. Martin Short had it easier. And John Kennedy had it easier uh, right. because they could sort of be. Oh, I can fit you into this kind of role. And so Martin Short had enough energy that they put him in these kind of weird roles, and some very awful movies, and some very decent movies, and some very very bad movies. Um, but he, you know, he got a good career out of it. I mean, he got his run on uh, Saturday Night Live as well, and he mm-hmm. did well for himself in the States. Right. And I think that's like a lot of Canadian actors basically say, yeah, eventually I've got to go down there because that's where the money's at. Yeah. Oh, of course. Just like Drake. So where are we at now? All right. So let's talk about the movie because we're okay. we're like 40 minutes in and we haven't really talked about the movie. So... Um, uh, the the opening, the opening of the film. Was one of my favorites. I wish the entire film was like that. I would, have, <laughs> I would love that. This open, you know, kind of remind me of there was a movie, um, movie by Andy Kaufman. Uh, uh, with uh, Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman in it. Yeah, yeah. Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. They, it, I mean, it wasn't that one was. It kind of had an opening. I don't want to say like that because it's very, it's different, but it's it's similar. I don't know. If, but anyway, uh, that kind of what they call it, meta opening, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, I just love it though. That, that what a interesting way to start a movie. Like it, it really gets you ready for the the movie, which you're about to expect. So, yeah, consider they got a completely drugged out of its mind lion. I mean, it had to be because they grab its tail and they start cranking it like they're trying to start up a, an engine or something like that. I'm going, that lion 
because you don't see chains or anything, that lion must be like completely medicated. <laughs> and MGM had to make sure that they had the the actual lion roar at the end of the film to say, you know, no, wait, boom, we're still putting our stamp on this. But you know, having it open with it belching and you turning around the the, the, the mat oh, and seeing how everything's done, I, I love that. But I, I especially love you know. Uh, Mutants in the year 2150, I think is what the film is called. They're trying to <laughs> kind of want to watch that movie too. I do. I want to watch that whole movie because I love it. Because it, it was like, hey, let's make a film like using, a, um, you know, going into a garage and having the car lowered on a jack just to get the effect that, you know, it's it's lowering down and ignoring the fact that you all you can see is garage around it. <laughs> and I, I don't care. My favorite line in any movie is, no way. Radiation has made me an enemy to society or humanity. It's like, oh, not a great life. Fleshy-headed mutant, are you friend or a foe? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Back in the day, uh, um, Jen, are you there? You're kind of scratchy. Yeah, you're scratchy. Um, back in the day, a lot of times you would just go to the movies, not not always to see something specific. You just kinda, you just get to the theater and you look up and you go. Oh, what's playing? Oh, Strange Brew. That sounds interesting. And then, you know what I mean? Like, so I wonder how many people who went to go see that film did that, you know, because that was more prevalent back in the day. And yeah. then they got into that movie and they were like, what? Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Because <laughs> it, uh, especially when you're throwing all this stuff out, you're like, what is all this stuff? I don't get it. Why are the police cars yellow? <laughs> Oh, Which they're not anymore, but they were back in the day. I w- yeah. I'm just going to check something because I want to find out how well the movie actually really did. Because I don't know. Oh, I have it. I mean, 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is bizarre. I, you know, getting that doubled kind of- its budget. Yeah, doubled its budget. Well, yeah, considering the budget was probably nothing. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what. what- uh, let me see. No, my Grand Theft Auto cost, man. Uh, no, it was. It, it said it was made for four million and made eight point five million. Four million. It doesn't show. Yeah, I think that the biggest expense they had was driving that van into uh, Lake Ontario. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid when they were filming it, um, because you know, oh, here's a Cana- bit of Canadiana, and we're filming in Toronto, and this is one of the first few films that we were filming in Toronto. Um, you know, seeing the Toronto skyline and the van, they had a picture uh, in the Toronto sun the day after they did, they filmed that stunt. And you see the shot of the, you know, picture of the van flying through the air <laughs> and there's the Toronto skyline behind us. Like, okay, wow, look, we see our own you know city in the films. Oh my God, this is amazing. It's, you know, like I said, Canadians and their, you know, insecurity. We huh? see that and we all, you know, gushy about it. You know what I'm going to do though, as the overlord president and, uh, CEO of Indie Radio. I'm so, going to say that every episode of, that comes on Indie Radio has to have at least two minutes of CanCon. That's right. Canadian content, very important. Mandated by the government. Yeah. It was actually, the weird thing is CanCon was mostly for radio. Right. So it was the whole idea of like, we got a bunch of Canadian artists, you have to play uh, 30%, I think it was, of some of your programming each hour had to be Canadian content. Which allowed bands like Rush and um, Tragically Hip and everything allowed them to have bigger careers than they probably normally would have. Hey, um, Nickelback. so Nickelback, yeah, um, you know, Bieber. who else? Gordon Lightfoot, Bieber, 
Justin Bieber. She, oh, well, he did well States to start with, so. But they could play it and say, hey, it's Canadian content. Jen, you're here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get through the um how do you guys think, how do you think the movie uh Jen flew flew um uh flowed for you? Uh, I don't know if that's actually a term I would use for this movie. I mean <clears throat> so I sat down I haven't seen this in a couple of years. I sat down, I watched it, and it felt like before I knew it, the movie was over. And I, in fact, I asked my kid if he wanted to watch it with me, and he was like, nah, I don't want to watch that. It sounds silly. And only the sound of my laughter brought him out, and he was like, oh, this is pretty funny. So, I, I mean, in terms of the, are you asking in terms of the plot? <clears throat> No, no. I mean, every movie, every movie, no matter what, has a flow to it. So, you know, like we, I think you answered it. You said it went by pretty fast. That's a good sign. When a movie feels long and it's only an hour and a half, that's not a good sign. It, it went by really fast, but I gotta say, it didn't feel to me like the like the plot was even the point of watching the movie. The point of watching the movie was just sort of to be entertained by these two crazy characters. That's just. It just, that's exactly what it felt like. But it was infinitely entertainable. I mean, there was so much entertainment value in this that I think I would pick this movie above almost everything else that we've seen this season if I was stuck on a desert island and had to watch a movie over and over and over again. So if that question comes up and this happens to be number one or two, there's your answer. Yeah, that, yeah, no kidding. It was (laughs) really entertaining. I don't know, man, because what was that movie that we all love? Uh, Death Race, Godfather. Death Race. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, uh, Day of the Death. Oh, no, 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 no. He's he, he's being facetious. Uh, Casino Royale. Yeah, Casino Royale with you. Oh, oh. Yeah, there, there's a difference. Okay, so here's the difference. You saw Casino Royale, which tried really hard to be a comedy and tried to be hip and edgy, and it failed so miserably. And then you see this movie where it almost seems effortless. But you know they're they're actually they've thought about it and how they're going to set up the jokes. Even though a lot of the stuff's improv, they're still sort of setting up their things, their little bits and everything, and it seems effortless and it is funny. And yes. that's the difference between good comedy and bad comedy is you don't see that they're trying because there's nothing worse than watching someone try to be funny. Yes. You know, one thing that I, I was pleased with this film is, and you see this a lot with um, Saturday Night Live sketches that go on to be movies is. A lot of times the sketch works just great for, uh, uh, you know, a 10 minute sketch or whatnot. And so when you start making it, you stretch it out to an hour and a half, you know, you get tired of it because it's really wasn't in, never intended for it. So mm-hmm. they did a pretty good job of taking something that was not yeah, even a two, minute, a two minute yeah, sketch. Right. Throw away. They turned it into a film. Yeah, they, they, did, they did a really good job with that. This movie reminds me of, uh, of watching Uncle Buck. Mm-hmm. It has that same, it's just silly for the sake of being silly, <clears throat> but it's fun, silly. It's not mm-hmm. it like you don't have to take it seriously to have a good time with it. Right. It doesn't annoy you the way that some of the movies that even some of the movies that I think are supposed to be funny, they're they just aren't. They just mm-hmm. fail so miserably. I, I take issue with what you said. Uh, I take Uncle Buck very serious. I love Uncle Buck. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, I see. I'm sorry. 
He thinks it's a, do a documentary. You collect life lessons from Uncle Buck. I didn't mean to get in the way of your mentor. mentor yes. relationship. I'm so sorry. Every kids take Uncle Buck very serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a millennial thing, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not a millennial. I wish I was a millennial. That's true. You're not. Are you? I am. Are you? I thought you were old like this. No. He's like, no. <laughs> I know I'm not a boomer, thank God. But uh, so, so um, uh, okay. So who 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 did you guys like? I hate to get into the whole who did it better, but who did you guys uh, like more, Bob or Doug McKenzie? Oh, you can't like one more than the other. Oh no! Yeah, I, I think the question should be: if you had to choose one, who would you have a beer with? Dude, that's like asking which is your Both. favorite twin. Right. As, as they said in the movie, that was the first time that the two have ever been separated. That bit where he's like, he's like, "Well, we'll see you around." He's trying to act all tough and everything, and and Rick Brannis is like crying. Oh, it's the first time we've ever been apart ever. And it's like you can't have one without the other, and that's the thing about that movie. You can well, choose I, him, but I'm still coming along, eh? That's it. Well, and I, it's, I just I, I, the I, dynamic between the characters. Are, you have to have one with the other. One is trying to be serious, trying to do the job they're supposed to do, but he's kind of nervous and kind of wimpy. And the other one is like he wants to pretend he knows it all just to impress everybody, but he he doesn't know anything. And what does he say? I'll be selling cigarettes, and the... yeah, <laughs> and they'll be loving you all night long, eh? <laughs> what about you? I'll be out selling cigarettes in the back. <laughs> Even when they try to be creepy, it's still hilarious. Oh, when they're doing the tough guy act with all the prisoners sitting around, you want to smoke? No way. I want to keep my lungs nice and fresh for when they fry me. <laughs> and it's like things like that, just stupid lines. And you knew the punchline was coming when they say lawyers are for socks and the guy comes in, your lawyer is here. You knew that was coming. But that wasn't the important. That was just to get out of the scene. The funny part was all the, doing the little, you know, their little talk around all the prisoners after seeing how scary they were. And, you know, thank God, the big scary guy happens to be a white guy in this movie as opposed to the normal the cliche that they put in those movies all the time. So that was good. It was different for a change, eh? Okay. Love it. I don't know if it was intentional, but they got just find a big, scary, bald guy. Hilarious. You guys want to smoke? He was scary, actually. He was. Scary, yeah. But, um, yeah, and I... There's all so many stupid little scenes like that. And it's just throwaway lines that they, they do everything, you know. It's like and stupid things they how they refer to things. Like so the disc comes out and he calls them bootlegs. Oh, it's bootlegs, let's put it on the record. Oh, it sounds like a new wave, you know, new wave English band. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Throws it away. Stupid, stupid things, but they're just funny in, in the context because it's sort of like it's just two very clueless people trying to get by in the world. And all they really care about is just getting their beer. They may be clueless, but there were a couple of important safety messages okay. in the movie. Uh, the first being about uh, the uh, stepping out of your car when you're... <laughs> oh, God. The tires are insulators, eh? Like, he put our that's stereo weird. together. It's like, that's like, that's the, he's, he's brilliant because he, he knows this all this stuff about electricity because he put our stereo together. <laughs> 
He's a genius. He knows the atlas. I feel like that's legit. I totally, yeah, I could. Well, nice. Yeah, yeah. If you if you you're if you have electrical wire around your car or whatever, don't get out of the car. <laughs> the tires are insulators. You'll be fine. I thought it was very astute coming from these guys. It was. It was. <laughs> and then, of course, the uh, drinking and driving message a little bit later. <laughs> Oh, my, my favorite, though, is uh, the two meta moments in there. One where they're talking about, you know, do you know in movies they know they drive? They don't really drive. They're just towed. And the guy turns and goes, oh, yeah, really? And he starts having this conversation with them. And then he turns, oh. And it's like, okay, that was being self-aware. And then, uh, of course, when it's like, oh, take the hallway to go to there. And he goes, hallway to the place. How convenient. Take off. And he leaves. It's like, because even he knew that, that you're stretching at that point to make everything all connected to this one place. I, I think the other thing that, that really works, which doesn't always work in every movie, because sometimes they try to use it and it just comes off even more ridiculous than perhaps it really is. But Although Rick Moranis seems to pull it off really well, is the whole breaking the fourth wall thing, which mm. which just so totally works for these guys because they can deadpan so well. Remember mm. when Rick Moranis was in Spaceballs? He did the same thing. Oh, yeah. And it was really cool because it really worked, but it takes mm -hmm. a certain... Um, you have to have a certain presence to make it work. Otherwise, it just comes off being ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i glad you mentioned Spaceballs because I completely forgot about that as far as Rick Moranis. I think that's one of my favorite Rick Moranis roles. And it's, it's once really again, someone who is so dumb but is so full of themselves. <laughs> and that's what's so funny about it. And, and he's like, yeah, okay, he's sort of playing a nerdy character, but he's not, because he's playing a tough guy who just happens to be a small, tough guy who's got a big helmet. Large. My second favorite Rick Moranis role. What's your first favorite? My Blue Heaven. Oh, yeah, that's, okay. I think that's one of mine, too. No, well, it's one of mine, but my favorite is Little Shop of Horrors. You can't get better than Little Shop of Horrors. Although, same cast, right? I mean, lots of the same people in Little Shop of Horrors as in My Blue Heaven. I don't think I've seen Little Shop before. Is it Rick Moranis? Oh my God! Do, you know this what? After the, um, after the podcast do nothing but go watch Little Shop before us. And isn't yeah. Steve Martin play the dentist in that? Yes, he does. Murray, is it Murray, who's the uh, patient? It's hilarious. Yes, it's hilarious. Okay. I mean, I'm familiar with the show. I just don't think I've uh, I've seen Rick Moranis version. He's he's yeah, got amazing it's, vocal talent. It's Frank Oz who did that, right? Yeah. Like it was, the Henson uh, picture. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Go see it. That's the Little Shop of Horrors. That I'll go to my local cinema. As opposed to the original with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> you know, it, uh, um, what do you guys think? <laughs> this is a, such a stupid question to ask. No, go ask it. Oh, hey, hey, there's, no, there's no stupid questions here, eh? Oh, I'm curious. Realize what we just because I'm a genius. I know exactly what to answer. So go go ahead. Yeah, he's a genius. I have to in interrupt this stroke fest. Hey, okay. Hey. hey. <laughs> now you're American. Hey, hey. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, hey. I'm, I'm dipping in and out. I'll take off. Uh, but uh, there was a lot of holes in the plot there. Hey, really? <laughs> no way. <laughs> what, what, what holes in the plot are you talking about? <laughs> it's a completely airtight plot. I don't know what you're talking about at all. What you're saying is nonsensical. I mean, they figured out how to stop them by getting the dog to fly out there. So what are you talking about? 
<laughs> Makes perfect sense because he drank that beer and he ate that food. He was hungry. It makes perfect sense to me. I call Okay, I call you cops it. out there, you all went past that stoplight. That's a moving violation. Oh, sorry. Another line there I just love, too. I, 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 call, I call bullshit on the flying dog. I don't think it's real. Uh, <laughs> no. You knew it was real because when that cape went off and it looked behind, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think that was intentional. I think just somehow the dog just turned when they yanked. I don't even think the cape was supposed to come off. I think the cape flew off, and they kind of said, "We're keeping that. We're keeping that because no, it's so memorable." No, don't, don't, no, don't shortchange that dog. In Canada, they have a lot of great improvers, and even the animals. Yep, improvers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yep. So that was that was the the dog's little contribution to the film. That was his moment. Yes. <laughs> It did. It, 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 you have to admit, you, you remember that scene. If I mention it, you think about it. Yep, the dog looking back at his cape as it flew away. Mm -hmm. Stupid thing, but you always remember it for some reason. Brilliant. Okay, uh, you were going to ask a brilliant question. Uh, uh, and another thing is, uh, uh, what do you guys think about how it concluded? Did, did you buy it? <laughs> did we buy it? <laughs> I think it was the only thing that would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> They stopped the people from having the beer and they drove off with the truck. What else do you need? Or are you talking about how he put out the fire? It was a fairy tale ending, right? I mean, they lived happily. Right. Yeah, and, and, but the beautiful thing is, what I liked about this film is the romantic stuff that was going on ended up not being with the brothers, end up being the ones together. <laughs> <laughs> that was their arc. Was they end up back together and everything was fine. You know, they, they, get the drive off. they drove off into the sunset together. So I like, love it. I love it. I'm telling you, this is getting you ready for next week's movie. The same color plot. Similar <laughs> plot. So, yeah, and there, there was drunks in that one too. So, yeah. So, but, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, are you guys disappointed that uh, there, there wasn't a sequel? It, you know what? Um, I wish there was. No. No. I, I, no, I wish there was. I want to see if they could have done something uh, with it, if they took the plot somewhere weird and different, because I know that's what they would have done. Because they wouldn't have rehashed and say, okay, let's have them do this, but it's something similar. I mean, because at least this movie just, like, if you remember all the movies in the 90s where they took TV shows and they decided to turn them into movies and they were all the same plot. The exact same plot. Some bad person is trying to take their land or this <laughs> thing from them. And so that's our plot that we're going to have to hinge all the rest of the stuff on the movie. And it's like, ugh. and this one wasn't that. This was something really, it said, you know what we're going to have? We're going to have some guy <laughs> right in a brewery trying to take over the world with contaminated beer. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. How, how, does, how is he going to do it? What What's what's the end game? Who knows? We don't know. We don't find out his real motivations or anything about him. We just know he likes to have the lights go up. And oh, and that's another funny scene for him. Max Monsanto has a really funny scene where he's, he's standing there and he's looking depressed because when it was going on, he's facing that wall with all the lights and the guy says, do you want me to turn the lights on again? No, no. <laughs> it's just, I can't even do it the way he does it, but he, the way he does it's just funny because it's like it's just a throw. No, don't bother. No, I'm too depressed. But it's <laughs> I love that because it's they 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 play up those big moments that you'd find in a film, and then they kind of just deflate them right away. And at the same time, they don't mind being cartoonish. It's like when the two of them are wearing the steak suits, uh, when the dogs looking at them, they look like steaks. It's like, why? Why did? What? 
why bother being realistic a and then playing their own parents i don't know if you caught that when they open the door and they walk in on their parents and it's rick moranis and dave thomas and drag with mel blanc's voice hilarious wait uh wait how <laughs> we're gonna show the dog all right <laughs> I love this. That is so funny. That is funny. Yes. It's, it's like, and they did, you know, like they said, they don't care. It's like, okay, uh, you know what's going to be stupid? Uh, the dog can fly. What? Let's do it. And the directions they give, by the way, is how you would get to uh, Oktoberfest in Kitchener, Ontario. So if you pay, go play that back when he's talking. Now you don't need, uh, you know, Siri or anything. You can just, uh, just remember the directions that Bob and Doug give to the cops. Hmm. Uh -huh. Or no, you get the hose head, sorry, my mistake, to the dog. And you can get to Oktoberfest, which, strange enough, those scenes were not shot in Hamilton, or sorry, in Kitchener, where Oktoberfest is normally held, because the police officer that they go to, that the, you know, the guy comes and goes, that's a Toronto skunk. The police officer is wearing a, a Region Appeal badge, which is where I'm from, which meant that they filmed that at uh, this place not far from me called Hansa House, which is a German pavilion where they do hold these kind of things. So that was mm. going to be, once again, trivia. Mm, see, I f yeah, I mean, like you can't go wrong with this film. It's a, it's a very good film, and we don't normally do comedy, so no, because because comedies usually go the other way. They just yeah, yeah. Um, this is like our first comedy. Uh, you mean funny comedy? Wait, 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 wait. Some of those movies we watched before weren't comedies? No. no. Not at all. Wow. Um, so um, uh, Jen has to leave. Before oh. before Jen leaves, can you give us our your uh, your scores? Uh, yeah, but you know what? Do me a favor. and uh, Okay, so because I've got these all out of order and sort of in uh, some of them have scores and I forgot the actual designation. So it's tell me again. It goes overall. No, it doesn't start with overall. It starts with story. Story. It's on the screen. It starts with story. Story. No, I can't say. I can't even read that screen. What the heck? Story. I have a <laughs> story. I only have a six. Ah, that's my lowest score for this story. Oh. I have a six. Sorry. Um, what's the next one say? Acting. Oh, acting. <laughs> acting. I gave this an eight. Right. I just love these guys. Score and sound design, I actually gave uh, an eight as well. Production quality, I gave an eight. And overall entertainment value, I gave a 10. Wow. Yep. <laughs> I'm serious. I could seriously watch this movie again and again and again. Oh, this is nice to hear. Not No angry people, I think, will be after this. This is good. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Well, there's some films we, we walk away angry, you know. We don't want not that. this one. You Thank won't you. you won't be disappointed. And I'm sorry I had to duck out early, but I do have to duck out early. Okay. Right. Thank you, Ben. All right. Okay. Thanks. All right. I'll, I'll do mine. Uh I gave story a five. Uh, no, no, I mean it wasn't like it wasn't a Hamlet or anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was. Uh I gave acting a seven. Um mm -hmm. the acting was great. Uh, you know, those those guys are amazing. Uh, score design sign sound. Um, I gave it a six. Just uh, some of the '80s music was 
I, I didn't love a lot, um, but you know, I thought it was good. Uh, production quality, I gave a six. Uh, I thought that the production quality was, you know, good for what it was, you know. Um, so I gave it a six. And overall entertainment value, I gave it an eight. This movie is very entertaining. It holds up after all these years. And uh, I think that it's a terrific film. So it gets a 32 score for me. Uh, we'll go to uh, Joshua. Okay. Um, well, for story, what can I say? It's Hamlet. I gave it an eight. Oh, wow. I mean, seriously, it flowed so well. Yeah, some of the stuff was a little uh, off the wall, but I think it fit nicely. Uh, so, yeah, I think it you know, deserves an acting. I also gave it an eight because there was not one performance in this movie where I'm like, well, that's just out of place. I thought everything fit very well, and uh, th that's very important to me. I think the uh, how... A performance fits in a movie is a lot better than how one actor can, uh, you know, drive it home. Because if they're like seriously out acting everybody, it stands out. So everyone was really on the same page here. Uh, score, sound, and design. My lowest score, uh, six. Because, uh, like you mentioned before, some of it was uh, just doesn't age very well. You know, very 80s. Um, sound effects and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Production quality. Uh, what can I say? I love the uh, look of a, a Canadian show, you know, Canadian film. And I gave it a seven. And uh, if there's anything that says uh, Canada more than this, I don't know what it is. Really? And overall entertainment value. Um, unfortunately, because I don't believe it to be, you know, that quintessential perfect something. I couldn't give it a 10. But I did give it a 9 because I would watch this over and over again. In fact, I was watching it, and uh, my kids popped in, and they're like, what are you watching? And they never left. So <laughs> fun for the whole family, and it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't talk down to you or anything like that. It's just something everybody can enjoy for what it is. So nine for me. So it's fun for the whole family, much like um, the movie Showgirls was. <laughs> Different yes. kind of fun. <laughs> Depending on the family. <laughs> All right. Okay, so you gave it a 38 overall. All right, so what about you? Story, I'm going to give it a... I'm tossed between eight and seven. Damn I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, no. And you know what? I'm going to give it an eight. Sorry, change it to an eight. Do you know why? Because as I said, there is an actual act break. There is an actual flow to the thing. There's the, the traditional story acts and everything that are in there for something that should be just a bunch of them, you know, stupidity. It actually follows through with those things. It's playing off of Hamlet and it's trying to fit it into that. I, It's actually not a bad story. It seems like it's just a random bunch of scenes, but it's not. There is an actual flow through, and like I said, I love the end of the the act. You know, where the on the dock where it's all dramatic and the music's playing and everything. Uh, acting uh, an eight, um, as as Joshua pointed out, everyone was good at it. There was no really weak actors at all. There was everybody played their part really well, um, and the, the two leads are you know very likable, and that's nice to have in a film where you actually like the people you're watching. So there's so many films nowadays with unlikable characters, and you're just like, okay, I just have to watch these people. 
Um, sound design and everything. Uh, six. It's you know it is dated. It's a mono. There's nothing spectacular about it. A couple of interesting thoughts, but eh. uh, production quality. Uh, it's cheese. It's uh, it's a seven, um, but like the laser effects and the goofy stuff like that. I think the only good effect that like one of my kids, oh, that's CGI. I go, that's not CGI. Was uh, when the uh, father appears out of the video game. And they kind of like, geez. right. And that was and that was animation. And somebody actually did that. And it's like, and well, that's CGI. I said, no, it looks good enough to be bad CGI, but it's not. Um, and entertainment value, yeah, a nine. Um, I. I love this film. I can bring it out twice a year and watch it without having to stop it midway through or find something else to do. I just, I enjoy the stupid thing. I really do. And I really wish they would make uh, Newtons of the Year 2150 because I want to see that whole film. What uh, did you say? Uh, you wish they did what? Made that movie that they started off with. Oh, um, I wanted to see that, you know, you know, four years after World War Four. You know, especially when he pulls up the Statue of Liberty, holds it up, Statue of Liberty, act, act, stupid. <laughs> you know, there's one thing um, that one particular scene we didn't talk about. I mean, we talked about the van going into the river. Yes. But we didn't talk about, you know, the police showing up at the bottom. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, yeah, that's Tapping the thing. On the window. <laughs> and him pulling out his ID to show to the cop. Wait a minute. He's sitting there underwater. They're drinking out of the air, out of the beer bottles. He goes and pulls his wallet to show his ID to the cop. Okay. okay. That is, that's pretty damn funny. Yeah, it's his reaction is like somebody who's been pulled over. Uh, and I think that van is probably still at the bottom of Lake Ontario. I'd like to think it's there. They probably would have pulled the engine out and everything so they wouldn't pollute or anything, but I'm, I'm hoping that van's still there. I want to visit now. Yeah, I would like, you know, go to diving, you know, have a tour, diving tour of the, the van from Strange Brew. I'll have to look that up. Because, like I said, the skyline is not like that. The docks they're on are gone now. It's a lot of condos and everything. Um, Sky Dome hadn't even been built yet. Um, so, yeah. So there should at least be a marker out there on the water. <laughs> resting place of Bob and Doug's band. So there you go. That was Strange Brew. How did we do overall with that? Because I, the, oh, the movies make the meal. Of course, uh, as you know, uh, you have to have maple syrup and back bacon ah. and beers. So that's all you need. Uh, so good day. Uh, thank you for the meals that make a movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we have a new leader in the club. Oh my gosh, it beat out Dawn of the Dead. I didn't expect it to go that high. Wow, yes, yes. Uh, Strange Brew has now overtaken Dawn of the Dead, so now it's between Dawn of the Dead and Strange Brew. What wow. a two, what a two complete polar opposites. Oh, that would be one hell of a fight between those two. Yeah, so I want to see that God. crossover. <laughs> but see, that would have been a good sequel for Bob and Doug McKenzie. They, they have to fight zombies. Oh, oh that would be awesome. Because yeah. you know they wouldn't know at first that they're zombies, and they retreat like, "Oh, take off, hey, go! What are you eating him for?" <laughs> and then by the end, you'd be like, "Here, take my brother." Hilarious. Yeah. So, I, Strange Brew is the number one now. 
Wow. And overall, I think it's a high score, too, if I remember, because Dawn of the Dead, I think, kind of was one of our higher marked movies, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it overtipped Dawn of the Dead. But I know, I meant overall, like all three years. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Wow. That's okay. So, well, folks, tune in for next week. Will it be unseated? Will Dawn of the Dead or Strange Room be unseated by Halloween 3, Season of the Witch? Well, we can only hope. Let me, uh, let me uh, get you guys ready for next week's film, which I can't wait to watch again. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, you're in for a treat. I love this movie. And you know what I'm going to be playing next week on the show. I'm not going to Joshua, you're going to answer the question of what, I'm, what sound I'm going to be playing on the show. Okay, so here we go. Uh, next week's episode, we will be reviewing the classic 1982 film, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the only movie without Michael Myers in the Halloween story. Uh, hospital emergency room, Dr. Daniel Dan Caleb, played by Tom Atkin, and Ely, uh, Ellie, I'm sorry, Greenbridge, uh, the daughter of a murder victim, uncover a, a terrible plot by mask maker Connell Con, uh, Conrin. <laughs> Conrin. Connell Con. Cochran, I can't even say it, it's the tongue twister, a madman who's planning a Halloween mass murder utilizing an ancient Celtic ritual. The ritual involves, well, I don't want to. Don't, don't, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. He hasn't seen it. Uh, October 20th, this came, it came out October 22nd, 1982, so we're coming up to an anniversary of the film. And uh, one that'll be marked by millions. Oh, yeah, I will be definitely. And, and it's directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. Do you know why that's uh, interesting? Why is that interesting? Because Tommy Lee Wallace was one of the uh, first people to don the Michael Myers mask in the original film. Ah, and that's what gave him the credit to do that. Yes. Yes. Tommy Lee Wallace actually went on to have a pretty decent uh, directing career. Do you know any other films he's done? Um, yeah, he's directed... Uh, um uh fright night okay uh he also, uh, he also directed um it the the uh the original um oh the tv miniseries yeah yeah he directed that yeah so tommy wallet you know tommy well, at least he, he had the the sense to put tim curry into that makeup yes and I'm sorry, Friday Night Part Two. Oh, Max Headroom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, he, he was he a very eclectic uh, bunch of. Yeah, work. so yeah, he was good. Flipper, the 1995 TV series. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so but anyway, but this is his classic. This is yeah, this this is this is his Citizen Kane. <laughs> Yes, so uh, that'll be next week. So, uh, Josh, how can we get you on social media? Well, as always, you can find me on the Twitters at Skitcom. You know what? If there's a place to sign up, if you look for Skitcomic, that's me. It's right. a household name. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter. And Kente Ferguson on Instagram, 
And then you can go to our website, indyradio.org. That's indyradio.org. How can we get you, Terry? You can get me on uh, kingpenguin at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter is prof- the Unreal Professor Psycho. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can Professor Psycho's movie Madhouse is the website.com uh, to see a whole bunch of odd and bizarre things. Hey, I forgot to mention one thing about this movie. I completely forgot. This is probably the first film that got the line wrong and put it in everybody's head, maybe. Luke, I am your father. Except, well, you, 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 you're Luke, I am your father, you knob. But I think <laughs> this movie is the one that put all the people thinking that that's what Darth Vader actually said in his movie because I think this came out just after. Yeah, I was thinking that was, would that be a spoiler at the time? The movie been out for three years, and uh, it's just was before VHS became a big thing. So, if you hadn't seen it, too too bad. It didn't matter. You weren't going to see it again, supposedly. Fair enough. There you go. Get your Blu-ray copies of this now, folks, because this is a classic, awesome film. And make sure you have your beer. And yeah, don't forget to have a beer. Don't smoke though; it's bad for you. All right, now take off, you bunch of knobs. Yeah, good day.